Hi, this is Amy Beheimer, and you are listening to the Habit Hub for Autoimmune Health. Habit 15. Be a sugar snob. Welcome to the Habit Hub for Autoimmune Health, a podcast to help you shift from managing autoimmune disease to creating autoimmune health using the power of everyday habits. I'm your host, Amy Beheimer, a coach and a doctor of pharmacy on a mission to create health and happiness with multiple sclerosis. Here, we focus on everyday lifestyle habits proven to help the mind and body heal from the cell up without sacrificing the true joys of life along the way. To create autoimmune health in the mind and body, you have to be great at one thing, the skill of mastering habits. That's why each episode includes everything you need to do just that, evidence-based information and real-life inspiration from the experiences of my guests, my clients, and yours truly. All habit heroes brave enough to turn a desire for help into daily decisions to create it. Let's have some fun. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode. This one excites me. Um, I try not to play favorites with habits, but the impact of this one for myself and others I've coached has really been huge. So I'm excited to share it with you today. I was listening to a podcast recently and heard an ad for the farmer's dog. Has anybody heard these? It's an advertisement for a company that makes dog food. So I'm going to read the ad to you. A healthy life starts with healthy food. From puppyhood to the golden years, it's always the right time to invest in a fresh future for your dog, because there's nothing better than more of the best years with your best friend. If fresh foods and produce had the money or motivation to run advertisements, I'm pretty sure we could use the exact same words to advertise what we're going for here on the Habit Hub. So I'm going to tweak a few of the words and reread it for us because it's just as true for humans. Okay, so here it is. A healthy life starts with healthy food. From childhood to the golden years, it's always the right time to invest in a fresh future for yourself. Because there's nothing better than more of the best years with your family. Wild that we can learn so much from an advertisement for dog food. But let's get to the what. It's a great segue into our habit today, which is making it a habit to be a sugar snob. For some people, they find freedom having absolutely no added sugars in their diet. We call those people abstainers. They find freedom in restriction. And I have to be honest. I am absolutely an abstainer. But for most people, allowing some added sugars can have a net positive effect in their lives. Today's habit will help if you want to have some sugar in a way that feels good to you. We call this being a moderator. Being selective on the type or the amount of something can feel like more freedom to moderators. So be a sugar snob. I wanted to find the definition of a snob to make sure that I was using it correctly. And I found that a snob is a person who has extremely high standards, who is not satisfied by the things that most people like. So said another way, being selective into which types and how much sugar you consume. So that's the what. Let's get to the why. We talked about ultra-processed foods back in Habit 3, Read Your Ingredient Lists. And I promised then that we would come back to a few undisputed ingredients often found in ultra-processed foods to be aware of, to start you on your new 
label reading habit adventure. Today's episode is one of those ingredients, added sugar, or what some call a dietary toxin. Calling it a toxin may sound harsh, but added sugars do fit the bill. A toxin is defined as something capable of causing disease or damaging tissue when it enters the body. Most people think of chemicals or heavy metals or pesticides, but even water can be toxic at high enough doses. And these dietary toxins have a role in modern disease, including autoimmune diseases. And dose matters. Most of us are not going to get sick from small amounts here and there. But in excessive quantities over time, our risk of developing modern diseases rise. So added sugars, especially high fructose corn syrup, is what we're talking about today. The American Heart Association has recommendations for how much added sugar we should be eating. And they recommend keeping it to 25 to 36 grams per day. So what does that look like? 36 grams is equal to 9 teaspoons for men. 25 grams is the recommendation, which is equal to 6 teaspoons a day for women. So are we hitting this as a country? The average American consumes more than 82 grams of added sugar per day. That's 20 teaspoons. And this is according to research out of the University of California, San Francisco. Added sugar causes damage, provides no benefit for our bodies, and is sent directly to the liver to be detoxified so that it doesn't harm the body. Some call it public health enemy number one. So why are added sugars everywhere? Mainly because they sweeten things, which provides a huge dopamine rush for us, and it keeps us coming back for more. The added sugar that we put in products increases the shelf life so that things can be made cheaper and cheaper. A pretty astounding fact is that 60% of the 80,000 processed foods on the shelf at the supermarket contain added sugar. So why do we care? This list feels long, but I think it's worth running through so that we can really feel the impact that this one ingredient does for our health. First reason we care is that if we limit added sugar, we can see increased energy levels. If we're selective about the sugars that we consume, we can avoid the energy crashes and spikes often associated with sugary foods. Choosing the healthier alternatives can provide that sustained energy level throughout the day. Added sugars also cause us to overeat because it interferes with the body's signaling system to alert us of hunger and fullness which oftentimes contributes to weight gain. Another reason, limiting added sugars and being a sugar snob enhances our taste perception. We're able to become more attuned to the natural flavors of foods and allows us to appreciate and enjoy the subtle tastes and nuances of different ingredients. Like I said, sugar causes those drastic dopamine spikes, like turning on a faucet. So when we're able to limit that, it helps us appreciate the trickle of dopamine that we can get from experiencing the pleasure of natural foods. We also see improved mood and mental clarity. High sugar consumption has been linked to mood swings, decreased focus, and brain fog. Being a sugar snob can help stabilize your mood and improve mental clarity, leading to better overall cognitive function. The list goes on. Added sugar affects our liver, the same as alcohol, damages the microbiome, and therefore counteracts our efforts to have good gut health. 
high sugar intake can disrupt the balance of beneficial bacteria in the gut, leading to all sorts of digestive issues. Being a sugar snob, on the other hand, and choosing those healthier alternatives can actually contribute to a healthier gut microbiome. Added sugars are very closely tied to inflammation and can increase insulin resistance. Overall, being a sugar snob is about investing in your long-term well-being. By making conscious decisions about the sugars that we choose to consume, we're being proactive towards our futures. Prioritizing our health and making these conscious choices about the types and the amounts of sugars helps us reduce the risks associated with all sorts of chronic diseases, obesity, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and many autoimmune diseases. Another reason is that elevated blood sugar and higher sugar intake are found to promote the buildup of amyloid plaques in the brain, increasing the risk of Alzheimer's. This is something that's getting a lot of attention right now, as it should, because it can be so devastating, and there's so much we can do now to prevent this in the future. So I've included a link to this study in the show notes. And I saved the best reason why we may want to become a sugar snob for last. This is the reason that guides my thoughts, my feelings, and my actions around sugar. And yep, you guessed it, it's about the mitochondria. Added sugar is toxic to our mitochondria. There is evidence that mitochondria were once primitive bacteria cells that over time evolved into what we now know as the powerhouse of the cell. So something to consider maybe for my fellow biology lovers. Sugar is added to increase the shelf life of processed foods to stop bacterial growth. And it's likely doing the same things, the same kind of damage in our own cells, specifically poisoning the mitochondria. Just something to think about. A lot of people ask, is it all sugars? What about quote unquote healthy sugars or alternative sugars like maple syrup or coconut sugar or honey? I will offer that these still are free sugars, meaning that they are not attached to any fiber. So only you can decide what you want to think about these sugars. What you choose to think about them will cause a feeling and ultimately drive the actions you take to choose to eat them or not to choose to limit it to a certain amount or not. I do want to say that with these natural sugars, your body still needs to process them and that small doses can add up. So what about artificial sweeteners? Artificial in the name kind of says it all. They disrupt the microbiome. They're believed to be neurotoxic and trigger cravings. So keep that in mind when you are deciding if they have room on your plate or not. So we've covered the what, we've covered the why, now let's get to the how. You've likely experienced firsthand that limiting sugars is simple, but it's not easy. Have you ever made a plan to limit sugar or maybe even avoid it altogether, but you find yourself caving or eating it anyway? Does it sometimes feel outside your control? If so, you are not alone. I often empower you to take control of your health, and that's a tall order, but being a sugar snob is just one of the millions of decisions I'm talking about taking control of to get to that big benefit of feeling in control of the bigger things in your life and in your health. These tiny decisions add up. So what can we do about it? Let's get to the how. Let's brainstorm. These will all be simple, but not easy. First, I want to mention that awareness is key. Like with any food label adventure, the strategy of monitoring can help us. Start with seeing what you are currently consuming. 
It doesn't require action to take notice, but it often does lead to action once we start noticing. I'm going to link to my free guide in the show notes to help you decode ingredient lists and grocery shop with confidence. Sugars go by many, many names, so it's no wonder we aren't super clear what we're consuming. I include all those names in the guide, the many identities of sugar to be on the lookout for. One way to take control of this habit is to plan, to make a conscious choice ahead of time with your evolved prefrontal cortex from a place of calm and not react in the moment. When we do that, we get to weigh the pros and cons and decide if it's truly worth it, if that sugar is worth it. This is something I work on with my clients in depth. We set a beautiful plan for what we would like to consume, and then we learn the skill to follow through with that plan. Making a plan and following through on it, even if it's hard in the moment, is key for health. Choosing what you want most over what you want in the moment can be a beautiful thing. So two hows or plays from the habit playbook that have worked really well for me and my clients. We're going to cover them now. The first is a habit within a habit. Limit packaged foods that you choose to purchase and eat to those with less than four grams of sugar per serving. That's one teaspoon per serving. One teaspoon is about one sugar cube. Visualizing that image can be very powerful. The second how from the playbook is to spend a little time asking myself a few questions or me asking you these questions and taking the time to answer them. I'll walk through how I answer them for myself for inspiration, but I really encourage you to answer in a way that makes sense for you. The first thing to ask when I'm presented with a treat or a temptation related to sugar is I ask, is this special or can I get this anywhere, anytime? Could I get this at any gas station or grocery store? Or is this something that doesn't come around that often? For example, an Oreo sitting in the break room at work versus a donut that you seek out from a specialty shop on vacation. One is available anytime and one may be a little bit more special. So that could help with the decision. Another question to consider is, do I want this now in the moment? And will I still want to have chosen this later when I'm looking back on this moment. Said another way, does both current me and future me like this choice? A habit play is to treat yourself. I talk about it often. But how do we know if something truly is a treat? I say a treat is only a treat if we want it in the moment and after the fact. If we look back on it with regret and wish we hadn't done it, then we don't really get to call that a treat, a true treat. Another personal favorite question to help me decide about the sugar I eat is, did someone engineer this food to get me hooked? I like to think of people sitting in a boardroom or they're on the craveability department at the big food companies, and it starts to piss me off enough to say no if I know their goal was to get me hooked. Not always, but that question often does work. Another question Am I saying yes to the sugar for me or for someone else? If the answer is yes, it's for someone else, am I okay with my reasons? An example is maybe your grandmother is baking you your favorite cookies on a visit versus does they, in quotes, or peer pressure from people to eat something to fit in with the crowd. You get to decide what makes sense for you and your goals. And the last question, 
does eating this sugar help me gain energy in another spoke of the habit hub? What do I mean by that? Take a piece of wedding cake at your sister's wedding. It may improve your experience of connection and feeling present, so it may be worth it. Or let's say you have a chance to take a walk with your kids to an ice cream shop and choose to eat one scoop to be savored and enjoyed. This may improve the spoke of movement as medicine. Again, your choice. So now let's get to the do of the day. Grab a pen and paper or open your laptop and answer these three questions. One, what is my relationship with sugar? Two, what do I want my relationship with sugar to be? And three, what is the next step to help me close the gap between where I am and where I'd like to be? Is it being aware of how much and what types of sugar I currently eat? Is it committing to certain sugars in certain amounts in certain settings and following through on that commitment? Is it getting support because you already know you want to make a change and you've tried quite a few things on your own? There are strategies backed by science to help us with this. There are proven ways to decrease desire so you don't feel like you are constantly fighting an uphill battle. This could be support from me. Maybe it's checking out my Your Perfect Plate workshop where we really dig into the what, the why, and the how of what we put on our plate. It's self-paced and can help you clarify where you want to go. Maybe this looks like support from me by scheduling a time for us to connect and talk about how coaching can help. And I'll put that link in the show notes. So I'm going to go back to the why. This is a less tangible reason. It's not measurable on a blood test, but it's just as important, if not more important. My top reason for why I want to be a sugar snob, and that's to be a role model for others by showing people what is possible. By embodying the principles of being a sugar snob, you can inspire and motivate others to make healthier choices. Your example alone can positively influence your friends, your family, and your community, showing others that it's possible to step outside the norm for what you know you want most. Changes to lifestyle are really cool because it's the only intervention that not only impacts your health, but the health of future generations. Your kids and your grandkids may have habits that come natural to them that all started with you and the choices you're making today. You're making it easier for them to create health and you may never even get to meet them. Future generations down the line. It's really wild to think about. So our quote today is from author Karen Salmonson. Sugar is the sociopath of foods. It acts sweet, but it's really poison. So head to the show notes for the links that I mentioned to get support from yours truly on this one. Like I said, it's simple, but not easy. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Habit Hub. I am forever grateful for the time, energy, and attention you share with me. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode, where I might just cover the habit your body has been waiting for. Check out www.amybeheimercoaching.com for more free resources, as well as details on how to take the information, inspiration, and insight you learned today and apply it to create autoimmune health and happiness in your life. Get in touch at amy at amybeheimercoaching.com. Special thanks to my editor, Sarah. The Habit Hub is a production of Amy Beheimer Coaching, LLC. Talk soon.